As we record this episode, it is uncharacteristically hot, with the thermometer sitting at 90 degrees Fahrenheit and thunderstorms projected for this afternoon. We are hopefully at the end of what has seemed to be a long and intense heat wave. Oppressively hot and heavy days like today prompt me to wonder what future summers will be like as global climate undergoes rapid change. It is projected that the average overall temperature on Earth will increase by over 34 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius, having massive impacts on weather, food production, sea levels, and much more. Forecasting that weather or predicting future climate has been a challenge since the dawn of human existence. That is, until now. Hello, I am your host, Mike Lake. And today I will be speaking with Sabarna Bhattacharya and Detalina Ivanova about their company, Climformatics, which is poised to change the game when it comes to weather and climate forecasting altogether. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome Sabarna and Detalina. Thank you both so much for joining us. And, and of course, I also wanna thank all of you who are listening and watching this. Um, I'm so excited and privileged to introduce you today to Sabarna Bhattacharya and Detalina Ivanova, who are both with Climformatics, a company that predicts future climate to inform business and government decisions. Sabarna is the chief uh, executive officer and Detalina is the chief science officer. Now, both of you, please take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and how you got into this issue of, of climate prediction. Thank you, Mike. It's wonderful to be here and having this discussion. I'm excited. Well, a little bit of background about myself. I am a physics major and master's and PhD in uh, engineering. And my, during my PhD, I got a lot of uh, you know, insight and chance to work on the rainfall, particularly over India over last 100, 120, 280 years. And that kind of got me thinking that, well, let's study how the climate itself is changing. Growing up in India, we had a privilege of visiting Himalayas and the forest, and we saw how you know, deforestation changed the rainfall over those many of the pockets and many of the highest rainfall regions in the, in, in the country. Well, after finishing my PhD, when I came here, I joined uh, work with uh, you know, catastrophe risk modeling, and that gave me further insight into what these different climate changes events do in terms of damage losses. And finally, I was very excited to work at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab in the climate science group, where we actually got a chance to play and learn and simulate global climate models with a lot of deep studies. And that's what got us started. And that's where I met Detlina. Over to you, Detlina. Hello, thank you for this opportunity. So my name is Detilina Ivanova and my background is uh, physical meteorology and oceanography. 
Um, I have uh, numerous experience with climate modeling. Uh, we met with Subarna uh, during my postdoc and later a science position at uh, PCMDI, the program for climate model and diagnostics at the uh, Orange Livermore National Lab. Uh, so we both were uh, very excited about the knowledge we're gaining there, but uh, we both also felt that um, there is a gap between the scientific knowledge we deriving in this uh, high professional community and uh, impacted by the climate change communities. So uh, at, at some point we kind of felt the need to create a bridge between these two communities so to transfer the knowledge we're getting there to the uh, apply it in the everyday lives uh, impacted communities so that's how we started Quinformatics. well that is fascinating i and of course i live here in boston in the northeast uh, of, of the u.s and i often joke that uh, and no offense to any of our weather forecasters but i often joke that that we can't get yesterday's weather right um so uh, clearly this, the, there is a challenge to predicting weather, and especially with the further out you go, the harder that becomes. Um, but that has all kinds of implications. I mean, it's not just about the inconveniences that I experience, you know, not, whether, not knowing whether or not I should bring an umbrella today or uh, do I, should I wear a jacket or whatever. But we're talking about huge implications in, in a number of different industries, agriculture, of course, being probably chief among them. Can you give us a, a sense of just how challenging is this, um, you know, the, and how important is getting our weather predictions accurate and long term? It is actually very important. Thanks for this question. So when we when ordinarily we talk about weather we are really talking about very short-term um, atmospheric phenomena you know that affects the clouds the winds the rain the sunshine things like that but weather changes are over a, over the scale of a few hours to a few days but not beyond that mm -hmm. so once you are past 10 15 days it is the slower factors which govern the climate that gradually come into play. So you have the ocean reacting to the land, to the air, to the you know, different um, earth uh, climate systems. They all talk to each other and that's when all the feedback starts. So climate scales are slow and they go over longer times, whereas the weather scales are small. The challenge is that whatever dynamics we try to capture in this weather forecasting and weather, weather modeling is only the you know, beginning of the climate system. It, the climate has to evolve over much longer terms, uh, deeper ocean uh, you know, phenomena has to get involved and we are looking at those impacts. So uh, in terms of impacts, when we are taking any decision, whether it is in our personal life, whether it's in our business, whether it's in our in industry or planning for an event, we are really not looking at the next five days of weather. You know, when you're having a decision of buying a house or holding an event or, you know, um, putting flood mitigation things in place, 
you are not looking at the five-day weather forecast. You are really looking between a season to a few seasons to a few years to maybe tens and 20 and 30 years ahead. And so that's where subconsciously we are interested more in the climate information, mm. not the day-to-day -day variation. But the challenge is that the physics for the weather forecasting and the physics for climate forecasting are, they, they do talk to each other, but they are modeled separately. And so there is no um, existing technology commercially available that talks to both of them and does the whole, whole integration. So we are excited because we think that's an important problem to solve at multiple levels, having large scale implications. And that's what we are up, we have set ourselves to do. Now, I can see some of those, as you just pointed out, um, you know, flood mitigation. Um, I mean, just the insurance industry, for instance, um, it could be hugely impacted by this. Agriculture, we already mentioned. Uh, it, there's no doubt that, uh, I mean, let's face it, climate and weather affects all of us on a daily mm -hmm. basis. And, and we're, as you point out, we just don't have the ability to plan long term for it. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the technology you're using and how this is different uh, than anything that's existed uh, until now. I'll let Delina address that. All right, thank you for that question. Um, well, the solution which uh, Quinformatics technology provides is uh, generally to have a weather scale uh, forecast, but uh, uh, with one year ahead of time. Um, and also, uh, uh, we are also providing uh, high spatial resolution, like a granularity to the solution, because, uh, for example, if we want to predict a fire weather, uh, which includes uh, high temperatures, uh, accumulated days with high temperatures and heat waves, uh, humidity, drought conditions, uh, wind speed, um, we we do need to have that ahead of well ahead of time not not when uh, the fire starts <laughs> um uh, the way we're doing uh, this uh, forecast, we apply uh, machine learning techniques uh, using uh, large data sets, observational, historical data sets, which are available through national observational networks or um, when uh, available also we're using private uh, observations. Uh, including as well uh, satellite data, remote sensing data. And we're using that large data sets to train the future projections produced by the climate models, uh, participants in the intergovernmental um, climate change program. Uh, by uh, training that projections, we're improving the accuracy of uh, the projections itself, which are provided uh, in a low resolution uh, grid. So we have to downscale them to the uh, local uh, scales of uh, the clients uh, where they are interested in. Um, and uh, why is this different from what uh, currently is available? Well, for example, the National Climate Service, uh, it's actually a recently established uh, agency uh, from NOAA, uh, compared to the Weather Service, which is historically long-term. Uh, 
the difference between the weather forecasting and the climate uh, forecasting is the model uh, which is used. Uh, as Subarna uh, said, uh, in the weather forecasting currently we are just using atmospheric component and that one is changing in terms of uh, hours to weeks very quickly and mm -hmm. uh, the forecast cannot uh, have a good skill of accuracy beyond the two weeks. In the climate models which are, uh, we are using, uh, there are multiple components. It's uh, Earth system models, they have ocean component, sea ice component, land component, atmospheric component, and all the feedbacks between those components are included in the physics, and we have much better chance using that kind of models to predict the accurately the future in the long term. Uh, so what we are doing, we are using the climate projections and we are using as well the observations and producing uh, accurate prediction uh, with a long-term uh, lead time. Like, uh, one year ahead, we can tell a year from now what will be the daily temperature in particular city. And that gives uh, the so needed window for communities, impacted communities to prepare for eventual future disasters uh, and mitigate their losses or uh, even improve uh, uh, the outcome of that events. And so, I mean, this is a, a remarkable thing to, to be able to know what that, that weather conditions might be like in, so far into the future. The service you're providing, how is that being used or how can it be used? I mean, is this done at an enterprise, you know, a large scale um, weather forecasters only? Is it the individual can can sign up or how, how does that work? So I think uh, the model that we are currently working with is three prongs. It can be used as an individual farmer, you know, an individual winery to understand what the you know heat wave situations are what is the harvesting season coming up early things like that but it can be also used at an enterprise level where you have say farms or wineries across a large swath of california acres and acres of land in different parts and you can use uh, our api and uh, download those data and get the analytics and Basically, they would be uh, in a format that you can directly use into your decision-making tool, whether you know it, it's about your business, how much contract you can get next year based on this year's yield, and how much profit you are going to make. It can just fit into that, and that I think is the you know big plus of what our offering is. I mean, and that that is a huge plus. I mean, if, to better be able to predict, project, um, you know, future yields and and knowing, you know, how much you can offer uh, or sell, um, that's that that changes the industry significantly. But more than that, the value of it is how much uh, you know you could lose because of this extreme mm. climate, and what you should do to mitigate well in advance proactively so that at the point of the climate extreme climate disaster you are not left with uh, you know decisions like oh you know i have to leave 400 acres of this crop which was growing unwatered unirrigated because i cannot support all of it those are very hard decisions 
When we talk about weather and we look back at the summer of 2021, uh, I think one of the standout um, impacts will, of course, be the heat wave that uh, occurred in the Northwest. And it was exactly as you just described. Farmers choosing which crops to water and which right. not. Um, picking cherries in the middle of the night mm -hmm. under floodlights. Uh, I mean, crazy conditions. Um, this has an impact, obviously, on the farmers. It has an impact on the industry and the consumers. It has an impact on, on the workers. Um, it also has an impact on the insurance industries that have... Absolutely, have, have to pay off. Yes. So there's, there's a real ripple effect to, uh, to getting this right or not. Yes. Imagine, you know, uh, even I'll give you another example, which uh, that's very close closely what I what we feel this our technology can be used to mitigate or put disaster preparedness in place particularly for the wildfire prone areas mm -hmm. um, imagine you know you have fire weather across the whole of the state but only some places are getting this wildfire so if we can get very localized hyper prediction well ahead of time we can move the mitigation procedures in place. I mean, uh, we did uh, some time back, uh, back of the envelope calculation that what would be uh, uh, the impact in California state wildfires if our solutions were to be, you know, adopted by the state's different uh, fire prediction pre prevention agencies uh, like Cal Fire or the cities or the counties, uh, what in fact would be the effect? And we saw as a, as a very you know, basic assumption that if we assume uh, in the next 10 years, every alternate year would get some big fires um, and we know about it well ahead of time, we put predictions to work and the predictions drive the mitigations with the CAL FIRE departments. Uh, we can spend about $75 million in all kinds of mitigation solution and mm -hmm. save $75 billion of losses. So just let's underscore that. You spend $75 million to save $75 billion. Yes. Wow. Well, that is incredible. So uh, there, there are so many more questions to ask, frankly, and, and already we're out of time. It goes by way too fast. Uh, but for all those who do want to learn more or, or get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, they can email us or uh, connect us through LinkedIn. Terrific. And, and what's the best email address? Subarna at climformatics.com. Terrific. Well, thank you again, both of you, for, for taking the time to join us today. And, and thank you for the work that you've done uh, to help us all better appreciate and understand and predict the weather of the future. Thank you. Thank so you. Thanks Thanks for, for giving us this opportunity. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.